Welcome to Toxicology, brought to you by Recovery Unplugged, the place where we talk about all things substance abuse, recovery, and mental health, with guests offering varying perspectives and viewpoints. Hosts Joseph Gorordo and Jason Cabello share about their addiction and recovery and other serious subject matter through lighthearted yet candid conversation. Welcome to another episode of Toxicology, the latest and greatest podcast in the known universe, time, space, and everything um, on addiction, recovery, and mental health, amongst many other random topics. Yes. Yeah. Lots of them. My name is Joseph Gorordo. I am uh, your host. <laughs> LCDC? <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait. Uh, and, and my uh, my amazing sidekick co-host... Mr. Jason Cabello. How you doing, Jason? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. You good? I'm really good. I haven't seen you since before Christmas, I don't know. No, think. it's been a while. Yeah. How was your Christmas? It was great. Yeah? We got to do multiple Christmases just because yes. we had to go, we had a, we went out to Dallas-Fort Worth area, and then we had to cancel once. We came back and then went back the oh. following week. We had a, we had a family, um, an injury in the family, so we had to postpone- uh, mm-hmm. Christmas at Gabby's mom's house. Oh, but it was a, it was a great Christmas. Did you get to go see your mama out in Florida? No, I went. I went a couple weeks before uh, Christmas. I got to spend a good chunk of like over a week in Florida doing some work, and then right off. I always set set my nights and stuff aside to go eat dinner with my mom yeah. every night. And yeah, we had, we had we had some good quality time. Oh, perfect. What was your favorite gift you got this year? Favorite gift I got this year? There was a lot of them because Gabby's family is really thoughtful and most of them are cinema related. So yeah. mom, her, her grandmother got me a Alamo gift card, gift card to Alamo. Ooh, always good. And then always good. Um, her stepdad got me a a year for MUBI, M-U-B-I, which is like a, a, a film streaming, streaming service. So that stuff always uh that stuff always warms my heart. Yes. Excellent. Excellent good stuff. Yeah. What about you? Um we also do multiple Christmases. Mm-hmm. You got we got my mom, then with her mom, then we do like a thing with her stepdad. I mean her stepdad with her dad dad. With her dad dad. <laughs> <laughs> I can I got you confused. <laughs> so the kids get spoiled rotten. Right. Um but yeah, and, and as far as favorite gift, huh? What was the? Well, this is gonna be tough. But what do you think was the most thoughtful gift that you gave? Oh, the most thoughtful gift I gave. Target well, gift card. I don't know if it was thoughtful, but I was super proud of it. Mm-hmm. Was I got my mother-in-law a little gnome, a little wooden gnome that has magnets embedded in it. And he comes with little gnome accessories so you can decorate him for different holidays throughout the year. Like a garden gnome? Yeah, like a garden gnome. Love those guys. guys. Yeah, she loves gnomes. And, you know, I did it all by myself, you know, like, no... Usually Chelsea is the is the good present picker, and I was like, I found something for <laughs> for Lacey, and I picked it out myself, and I didn't yeah. confirm if she would like it with anybody. I just bought it. So I love, I love, I love Christmas. I'm a yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I like Christmas. Do you think something changes in the atmosphere? Because you know, Christmas has a different kind of feel to yeah. it. Even winter, once Christmas is gone, it's a different feel. Yeah. Do you think there's something that changes in the atmosphere? 
where people are for the most part thinking of others. Yes. Yeah. You think it yeah. like changes the for vibe sure. where it's like, I mean, until you try to, <laughs> I got really fucking Florida when I was out there. Cause it was like the week before Christmas Yeah, and Gabby flew out. I'm with my mom and Gabby. We're at a mall in Florida and I pulled the most Florida parking thing in the world. Like somebody, so I was not in the wrong. So somebody was driving past, saw somebody was pulling out and tried to reverse. Oh, then no. it's like, you passed it. No, once you pass it, you have forfeited any, and, unless there's <laughs> nobody around. I missed an accident by like that much because I just did the, no, no, sir, not today. Did you pull out your pocket gator and throw it at him? Yeah. 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 Flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think, you know, I, you know, I'm not super woo-woo, right? Like, I'm not into horoscopes right. and chakras and all, you know, Chris, like, no, like, I'm not into all that stuff. But I do, I do pick up on energy and, like, feel energy, right. vibes, whatever you yeah, want to call yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah, you, it, <clears throat> and I think that there's definitely, like, something that happens around Christmas time when just, you know, the majority of people are, you know, either getting to do things that they don't normally get to do, right? Um, getting to spend time with people they love, spending time thinking about others that, uh, you know, you can feel it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So I really want to talk about my sourdough. I see it over there. I want to talk about how you look like you came straight out of a Cypress Hill video. <laughs> Who you want to get crazy with this, eh? Yeah. Don't you know I'm local? <laughs> <laughs> Cypress Hill. Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, viewers at home, Toxies, I have here a small tub of sourdough starter that I am gifting to someone so that they can begin their sourdough journey. Uh -huh. What's really cool about this sourdough is it was started by the very first chef at Recovery Unplugged in Austin um, back in 2016. And uh, the chef after him, Ricardo, he's been on the show, Ricky, shout out Ricky, um, kept that starter going. And it's the starter that he has it at home. And uh, he shared it with me a couple years ago and I've kept it going. and. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a legacy. It's cool. Very it's cool. Legacy. All right. And now I'm sharing it with other recovery unplugged people. Keep the sourdough going. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Tim Deering, the original chef for Recovery Unplugged. He's out in Portland, I think, uh, doing some fine dining. That's it. I just wanted to get my my sourdough on the. All right. Thing. <laughs> Very cool. Love the sourdough. Love the sourdough. That's right. That's right. I've, I've, I've taken some to you. Yeah. And enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. Very good stuff. Anyway, should we get to our guest? Yeah. Yeah. Great guest today. We have, um, I personally, were you there grand opening in uh, no. Nashville? No. I forget why. So I got to meet today's guest day zero. Day uh, zero. Before she even worked at Recovery Right. Club. So her first time entering Recovery Unplugged. I believe was uh, just to help Riley out a little bit, yeah, and um, get to help things out. Ian Jackson was ED at the time, so got to help Ian out, and um, yeah, just uh, amazing journey, amazing person, always 
every every anytime I go to Nashville to do anything, which is usually so I I have the fun uncle job at Recovery Unplugged. Yes. So I get to go travel to different facilities and be like, hey, we're gonna film some stuff. We're gonna do in this and take you out of your your not your, the creepy uncle your though. nine to five. No, not the creepy uncle. Not the creepy uncle. Yeah. Why'd you even put that out there? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. Now maybe. Is that more creepy, Uncle? Look. Oh, that's super creepy. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> I, I have the same glasses that there's the meme of where it's like serial killers saw these glasses yes. and said, bet. Yes. So, not, not, <laughs> in no way condoning. Creepy that, uncles. That creepy uncles or serial killers. Yes. At all. None. No, we do not support. No. Creepy uncles or Serial killers, a toxicology. And um, uh, now, <laughs> nor does Recovery Unplugged title sponsor of the show, Recovery Unplugged Behavioral Health title. Right. Yeah. Maybe Buffalo Wild Wings. Might. Yeah, Buffalo Wild Wings. They might. No, we're not getting in any kind of litigation here. <laughs> I'm not having it. I've never been found guilty of slander. I've never been found guilty of a felony. Saying that, that Buffalo Wild Wings might possibly be in favor of creepy uncles is a felony no i said i was just oh just in general yeah, yeah just in general you brought up like, wow. never convicted okay anywho our guest, today's our guest. guest. i love yeah. today's guest. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> amazing amazing young lady man just very amazing like yeah kindness yeah and uh you know recently crowned the new executive director of of the latest recovery on public location to be opening uh in march of 2024 in south carolina without any further ado we give you miss amanda johnson hello oh my goodness i'm so happy to be here with you guys <laughs> amanda johnson so calm <laughs> after that magical transportation i know you've, you've been magically <laughs> transported before no so she was snowed in today yeah. um out in nashville and had to get like shoveled out and you know i called her and she was like oh shit are we supposed to be <laughs> are we meeting about like the podcast stuff today and i was like well we're actually doing the we're podcast, recording the podcast. Like, we don't okay. do meetings there's no prep on toxicology <laughs> <laughs> I was like, am I going to be pictured in this? And he was like, yes. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, very. That's a, so Amanda Johnson, now executive director at Recovery Unplugged, um, new facility, South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. And yes. Amanda, I, I met Amanda our, the first trip during the grand opening in Nashville. And I believe you were working in the kitchen at that point, right? I was, and I didn't officially work here yet. Riley was still trying to convince me. She was to a stowaway work. in the kitchen, like <laughs> ratatouille, <laughs> just making. A... <laughs> but always one of the most pleasant people I've ever met. Just always super nice. Every time I go to Nashville, always warm reception. Always down to do whatever. You know, just just an all around great person. So I'm glad to have you on here, Amanda. And it's good to see you. I'm happy to be here. Yes, always good to see you guys. And I'm excited because I've met you a bunch of times, but anytime that I'm in Nashville, it's usually like 24 to 48 hours. There's very specific things that need to get done. And Amanda, you st you're a hard worker from what I see because I, you, you know, I just see you super busy doing something else and, and no time to hang out. <laughs> so, yes, I'm usually running around when, uh, 
when I'm here. So she made <laughs> I don't a, usually sit and hang. She made a brief cameo at the Recovery Unplugged uh, leadership meeting in Nashville last week. Okay. Yes. She walked in, handed, bra- handed uh, Riley a, a brown paper bag of unknown <laughs> origin. Oh, no. Whispered something to him and walked right out. <laughs> I also almost busted my butt. I don't. I don't know if anybody caught that, but I tripped on a on a um, plug in the floor. Oh yes, yes, that happened multiple I times fell, throughout. Fell the in front of all of you guys. <laughs> Good stuff. But I'm so happy you're getting your come up in. So you, you, you're such a hard worker. Such like dedication and all that, and it, it it seems like it's paying off. And now you're getting to move to South Carolina. Do you, do you have any any sort of any connection to South Carolina or is this all just uh are you just sort of it's a pioneering pioneering out there? I'm just I'm just taking an adventure. I was actually born and raised here in Nashville. So all my family, everyone's here. Um the opportunity was brought up. My first reaction was I don't know if I want to leave everyone. Right. And then I thought about it and I was like, if I don't take this opportunity, I'm most likely going to regret not knowing what it would have been like, not knowing who I would have grown into, what I would have learned, right. the opportunities that would have come from it. Um, so I was like, all right, let's do it. That's a great. So me and my me and my dog are going together. That's cool. Climate is a little bit warmer there too, right? Like you, your winters won't be as harsh. Um, yes, it's- Right on the coast. Yeah, because I know we we've talked about it before when I've come to Nashville and it's been cold and I'm like I love it and you're like I'm over it. <laughs> I I actually like the cold for a little bit, right? And then I'm like, okay, like you know, I've I've had enough of this, but I've been checking the weather difference because I'm actually flying out there tonight, um, to find find a home and it's 56 degrees there. It's 10 degrees here. Right. So I was like. This is going to be great. <laughs> Sounds like I'm so excited for this. Where in South Carolina are we doing this? I don't even. Charleston. 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 Mm-hmm. Charleston is cool. Right on. I spent a lot of time in the Carolinas in my, my 20s. Is Myrtle Beach in South Carolina? Yes. I think it's yes. Alabama. It is South Carolina? It's South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know Hilton Head is like. So Charleston is about two and a half hours from Savannah, Georgia, and then Hilton Head is like somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah, you got there. There's a lot of cool stuff around there. I, I that was uh, I don't know if I ever even told you about this, but when I was in my mid twenties, I had a job that I was traveling around around doing infrared thermography. So I'd go around with an infrared camera and go to all these assembly plants. Okay, or whatever. Yeah, and it was in, like I got to do a lot of travel and got to hang out with a lot of cool people because i'd work with engineers and electricians so yes. it was like a lot of very cool people and i spent a lot of time in south carolina and i loved it people there are super cool um i'm excited that recovery unplugged is opening there and excited to go out and see what amanda has in store for us to save some fucking lives did y'all know that myrtle beach south carolina has some of the highest uh violent crime rates in the country not not because it's a super violent city but they have a very transient uh, homeless population oh, oh, oh. homeless people roll through there i guess when they're moving up and down the coast and they they that's, do they do crime that's where they decide to while out yeah i guess so uh, <laughs> okay well be careful <laughs> 
Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know how far Myrtle Beach is from Charleston, but I'll, uh, I'll yeah, watch I'm not back. sure. <laughs> so we'll uh, go on a road trip next time I come out. So let's get to know Amanda. Please. Amanda. So you said born and raised Nashville. You know, we got to ask you on the show. Uh, are you are you in recovery? Not in recovery? You're a normie who loves addicts? What, what, what's your story? Uh, I'm a normie who loves addicts. Oh, my God. We're, we're a charming bunch. <laughs> we're easy, easy, easy to love. Y'all are y'all are amazing. Ragtag okay? group of misfits. So, so <laughs> I'm assuming Riley knew you from Buffalo Wild Wings, yeah? From, yes. from the B-dubs. So Riley Osborne, Recovery Unplugged, um, leadership team. He started working in, in Nashville and then brought a team of people that he knew, yeah. Amanda being yeah. one of them. Fun fact, I worked at B-dubs. Did you? I did. What did you, what'd I, you do there? I was a server. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was a server at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Laredo, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode is brought to us by the fine folks at Buffalo, Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Get your wing on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was terrible, though. I was deep in my addiction. Like, I, you know, floating drinks, you know, adding a zero onto tips. Oh, uh, wow. So what was your, what was your restaurant? What was your restaurant? Um, shenanigans how did you get over on shit well floating drinks amanda you know what floating drinks is yeah no No. okay so floating drinks is where like you know your first table of the day comes in and they say you know we're, we're all getting a soda right so you ring up the four sodas for them now if it doesn't work so much with credit cards it's if gotta they pay be cash, cash. i know cash. i know the drill. they pay you cash you move those four drinks over to a separate new tab because you'll use them again later, and then you close theirs out without that, and you pocket the difference, and then you just float yeah, those same yeah. four sodas all day. Or um, huh. back in the day on the Oasis system, mm-hmm. you would, uh, you know, let's say they left you a buck. It's a fine POS. Oops, I had an extra zero. It's ten bucks now. Um, yeah, good stuff. We could we could, we could have a whole episode on About on on how to get over on restaurants restaurant scams, <laughs> um, but so uh so so you're working at Buffalo Wild Wings, you know your buddy Riley leaves and then he hits you up a certain amount of time later and says, "Come work in this rehab." What is your first thoughts at, at being offered a job at a rehab? My y'all are gonna laugh at what my first thoughts were, but um. So he sits me down before he ever leaves B-dubs and he says, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to go work at this place. Um, I'd like you to think about it. I'm like, okay, what would I do there? And he's like, you'd be one of my chefs. And I'm like, okay. And Were you my chef first, at Buffalo Wild Wings? Um, I did a little bit of everything there, but I was mainly kitchen. Okay. All right. So kitchen he wants- was my That was your was my thing. Okay. I was my good server. I was really, really bad at it. Um, but uh I was like, okay. So all I could imagine was this really, really huge kitchen filled with like silver stainless products and a whole bunch of just chefs in there with white chef coats and chef hats on. Like real chefs. <laughs> real chefs. Like, some like chef you're going shit. to work at like Le Cordon Bleu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the school. And so I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. And he's like, oh, you'd be great at it. And I'm like, oh, I don't I don't know, Riley. I don't know if I can see myself in <laughs> In that environment. <laughs> um, and uh, so he, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, so you took a leap of faith? I don't well, think he actually took a leap of faith day. immediately. Okay. I did not. He called me and he said, hey, I have 
all of these people coming from all these different facilities and I need someone to help me this day. And he said, I know you're off on Wednesdays because he used to write my manager schedule there. Oh, okay. okay. You got me. I'm off. I'll do it. Okay. Where do you, where do you need me to be? Did he pay you or was this a favor? He, they, they paid me. Okay, good, good. That was the day Uh, I met you then. When we all that's, came in from the, the you met me. Oh, yes. okay. I'm part of the story. Yeah. Well, you I, was, are. I was there to witness the story. You the were story. a vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. Still. Yes. My, yeah. So we didn't serve you salmon. I remember that. Yeah. Um, every time I, every time I would come in, she'd always be like, we have a vegetarian stuff for you today. And blah, blah, blah. And very, very attentive. Um, so the day was over. He offered me the job again. I say no. I'm going to just work my way up and be a general manager at Buffalo Wild Wings. That's my current life's goal, you know? So so is that what led to the hesitancy? Was it like, hey, like I'm kind of on a path here at BWs or like, or was it like, you know, I don't know if I want to work in in an addiction rehab or kind of what was the hesitation there? So I didn't really know much about addiction at that point. Um, I had known Riley and I knew Riley was in recovery. Um, Listen, working parents, at working at restaurants, you can't help but learn a lot about yeah. addiction. <laughs> but I see a lot of it. I had known a lot of people in addiction, but I had never really known people in recovery. Yeah, and or, or working on a better path of life. You know, working on getting in recovery and and turning their lives around. I had only ever known people that were currently in active addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a it was a little scary. You know, I was like, I don't really know anything about this. Um, I don't know how to correctly talk to anyone who comes through or what to say to them or, you know, how to make them feel better. And he was like, he, he just kept, he kept hounding me for about two weeks and was like, come on, you'd be great at this. I know you want the job, blah, 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 blah. So finally I was like, all right, I think I'm in. And he said, you think, or, you know, and I said, I, I know I'm in. And he said, all right, call Kevin at beat right now and put in your, put in your three weeks. And I said, okay. What what made you finally decide to make that decision? I um I think it was more so me trusting Riley um but also like knowing that he wouldn't bring me to a bad situation um uh, but also knowing that I didn't really want to serve cold beer and chicken wings forever. Yeah. Like you think I thought that's what I needed to do cuz I I had dropped out of college not too far before then. And so my path, my career path was then, you know, I didn't have one anymore. So yeah. B-dubs, I'd been there for a few years and I was like, okay, this is career path. Like I can do this. I know this. Um, and I, I just came to the realization that I don't, I don't want to serve chicken wings and beer every day for the rest of my life. I don't care how many lemon pepper wings you give me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth it anymore. No, you know what they had? The Parmesan garlic. At Buffalo Wild Wings. It sounds like a good sauce. Fire. So good. <laughs> Sorry. No? No. What, what was your go-to? A mango habanero, but you fried it again. Oh, double fried. Oh, so good. I might have to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and try that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's real interesting to me? So some of the best employees at Recovery Unplugged have restaurant backgrounds. I think some of the best employees you'll find in any situation yeah. have a service background. Just because the one thing that you will notice about somebody who has not worked 
in let's just say a restaurant specifically, no sense of urgency like 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 you have in a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like that sense of urgency that you have when I, you know I still have serving nightmares or kitchen nightmares when I'm like the 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 tickets just keep coming out and I don't have anything <laughs> and like my spatulas are made of rubber bands and like just I can't do anything and your this, hands are mangoes and this, for some reason yeah and this <laughs> table's coming in and yelling and I still have dreams like that and, oh my god but that sense of urgency that yeah. you get that sense of this order just came in I need to get it done now oh shit I got the order done wrong the server comes in he's like hey man I messed up this order can you please just make this on the fly and it's just you have a, a symbiotic relationship with everybody else in the restaurant, you know, from the <clears throat> the host or hostess to the servers, like everybody's working together for one common yeah. goal, and that's to just turn over as many tables as possible, get shit done smoothly. Yep. And there, you you don't get that anywhere else. No, no, you don't. I th- I think uh, you know, what is it they say about like you know everybody everybody should wait tables at least once in their life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, my family still gives me shit in, in the kitchen if I'm cooking, you know, because like I still cook with a sense of urgency. It's like, oh, shit, I got nine things going. Right. right. Once <laughs> I'm sweaty by the end of it. Four burgers all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, so you start working at Recovery Unplugged in a kitchen. Right. So so still, you know, very similar to, to what you were doing. Right. Something comfortable you know what but obviously you know in in a commercial kitchen like it like at a restaurant you you never see the customers from the kitchen right yeah. you, you're interacting with the servers the managers dishwasher expo all those kind of cats but you're not interacting with with the customers whereas here at recovery unplugged i'm assuming that's the first time that you like you're looking at the people whose food you're making you know and and uh what was that like you know what was it like you know getting to know you know, these clients in recovery. I, I actually loved it so much more than I thought I would. Um, because I think there's a sense of fear for anyone who cooks a meal, whether it's a mom, a dad, a spouse, you know, someone in a restaurant serving the food, you're, you're like, do they like it? Right. Are they gonna, is it going to be good? Are they going to tell you the truth if they don't, so you can make them something else or, you know, are they just going to forcefully eat the food? Um, so I think, a matter of serving them the food was a little, a little fearful at first. Um, but getting to know them was so awesome. Um, and I, as I worked in the kitchen, kitchen longer and longer, I think the coolest part of it was I wasn't the one that was, I wasn't telling them, go to group, go meet with your therapist, go do this, get out of bed. I wasn't authoritative to them. I was the person they came to eat. Um, and to nourish their body. So I got to build a very different rapport than I think. And I, I learned it to be true when I moved into my new role here that other people don't really get to build with the clients because they come to you to just talk, to just hang out, to ask for something random. And you learn so much about them. Yeah. Um, they tell you so many pieces of their stories and where they, where they've come from and how they got here and, you know, like their kids who won't speak to them anymore. And you learned so many different things about them that I didn't expect to, but I, I loved building a rapport with them. I used to stay, I used to get the kitchen clean and stay and play cards against humanity till 11 PM. <laughs> yeah. Being with them. 
Um, especially in the beginning when we had, you know, we had a lower census when first opening. So we had 13 to 15 people and you get to know these people really well, right? you know, yeah. you're all the time. And it was, it was a blast, an absolute blast. And it was just getting to know them has become so it's such a special thing to me. So that kind of stuff, let's say the cooks, the techs, especially they do more AMA blocking I think, than, than anybody else in the facility. So for those listening, an AMA is when somebody leaves what's called against medical advice. So this means somebody's in for the full leg of treatment and they decide that they want to leave on their own. Because in treatment, you it, it's not jail. You could The doors are not locked. You could leave whenever you want. You know, And with people with addiction issues, um, the street calls, you know? And a lot of times I think you know, people in these positions that talk to the clients more on a, let's say that the playing field's leveled a little bit, yeah. you know, the, the techs are usually there all day cleaning yeah. up the, the cook. Well, the, the is, thing is, you know, like the, with, with the kitchen team, right? Like they don't view them as authority figures. Right. Right. And, and there is something very special to be said about like, you know, somebody who's preparing you food, right? There's, you know, like, I don't know, to me, food's really important. It's yeah. how I show love. You know, anytime like a staff member is having a bad day, it's like, come, you want to go get some ice cream? Right. Like, let's, let's go, you know, <laughs> let me feed you in some way or another. Right. Um, so I think that that really, you know, and even here in Austin, like, if I want to know what's really going on, who's I go, coupling, who's I go talk to, the, yeah. I go talk to the chef and, and, uh, <laughs> you know, our chef here gave, it's so funny. <clears throat> Somebody was speaking poorly about Gabe the, uh, over the weekend, and Gabe walked into work Monday morning. He's like, "Yeah, man, like five of them came and told me immediately because they're so they're so protective." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, Amanda, do you remember the first time that you took part in maybe getting somebody to like talk them down off the ledge from leaving or something like that? Oh, I don't know that I remember the first time. Um... But I definitely remember many of times of them coming and just being like, all right, it's it's time for me to go. And I'm like, where are we going? What are we doing? <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to my mama's house. I'm going to be fine. She's sober. And I'm like, mm, your mom's okay. going to be so happy when you show up on her doorstep yep. and let her know that you <laughs> left rehab, broke out of rehab. <laughs> you know, and it was just a matter of my, I don't want to say trick. It's not a trick. I guess my, um, way of doing it per se has always been taking the words that they give to me when I'm building rapport with them or just chatting with them. And, you know, they're like, you know, I've done this so many times. I, uh, I can't wait to push through this time and change my life and do this. Or, you know, I, they'll, they'll bring up examples of why they're here. And, and I, I always like to be like, dude, do you remember when we were talking like a week ago? And you were like, you've done the, you've done this so many times. Like this is the time where you're ready to change. Right. You're ready to do something different. And they're like, oh shit. Like I do remember I said that. It doesn't always work that way. Right. You know? right. But um there were there were a lot of times where I would start off. I don't know that I it always ended with me. You know, I'd I'd shoot them over to to someone else and kind of help finish it off. Ian Jackson is the AMA blocking king. Um <laughs> So used him a lot, but I'd imagine you would be good cop in a good cop, bad cop situation for an AMA block. 
To yes, do. I can be bad cop, but I much more prefer to be the good cop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, th- I think it's be, it'd be good to point out to the viewer at home, right, that, you know, the reason why someone would want to AMA can be some of the most ridiculous stuff you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. You know, I've had clients want to AMA because they weren't allowed to have coffee after four o'clock. Um, I had a gentleman wanting to AMA yesterday because his dog was being watched by his grandparents and they were too frail to walk the dog properly. That's a good one. <laughs> I got what, what what's a, the most ridiculous AMA reason you've ever heard? Um, Oh, SoundCloud was going to get shut down, and then the guy had to go and get all of his beats oh, recorded on. That was here. I remember this. No, this this was this was in this was in uh, South Florida. But when so- <laughs> you remember when SoundCloud was about to get shut down, it was probably like 2017, I believe. But yeah, th- this guy was just like, "Listen, man, I'll come back. I just need to go home for two days, get my beats off of SoundCloud, <laughs> and record them onto something no. else." I had a guy who was trying to be a homeless Snapchat influencer mm-hmm. and his account had been he had you know deactivated his account temporarily to go to rehab and I guess if he didn't retrieve his videos within 30 days it'd be lost to the ether forever yeah. and that was a good Amanda <laughs> how, how about you f- f- most ridiculous AMA reason Oh I feel like there's been so many uh the other <laughs> night I had a girl who um she she wanted to leave because her boyfriend couldn't come and pick her up the next day and his phone was no longer working. It's out of service now. And so she was just going to go get a hotel that night. And I said, why can't we just, why wouldn't you sleep in a, in a bed here and eat food here? She was like, but I don't really have a lot of money. I'm like, okay, you don't have to right. spend on a hotel and we can call your friend tomorrow to come get you. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. I have to go tonight. Because me and my dog, you know, and just on and on and on. <laughs> yeah. This and you have to do that. And I'm like, you don't. Um, the longer I explain it, the more it's going to make sense to you as uh-huh. to why I need to leave right now. But, you know, yeah. I, I got to point out that, like, you know, when people are wanting to leave treatment, it's not really, you know, they're not ridiculous, trivial people. Right. You know, in addiction, we, you know. A lot of people start to use because they want to shut off, you know, some negative feelings, right? Grief, loss, sadness, depression, whatever it may be, right? You know, so you're kind of, you, you learn to operate within this very narrow spectrum of emotions that the whatever your drug you're into allows you to have, right? And so you're used to everything being on, let's just call it volume four, right? Your whole life's been on a four for the last X amount of years. Then you get into treatment, right? Your brain starts to repair itself. You don't have that numbing agent anymore. And you're like a raw exposed nerve ending, right? Like little things seem massive, you know, and and discomfort is so um, magnified that, and you don't have the coping skills to know how to deal with these things. So, you know, your brain is automatically like fight or flight, like run from here, right? go get high. Is it it when, I, I, I always get the two mixed up, but there's something when it's like, your brain functions start coming back normally and firing, but your body still isn't like, especially with opiate withdrawal, yeah. that your body's still kind of like and not feeling great, but your brain is like, let's go, let's go, let's go. But your body's just. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in, in post-acute withdrawal, it's all up and down, right. you know? Um, so it's just, uh, it, 
So like, you know, these people aren't being trivial when they're saying like, I want to leave. It's just, you know, they're legitimately experiencing a crisis. Yeah. And even if, if us logically know that that crisis is so small compared to, you know, the, the consequences of addiction, they just don't have a better way. Yeah. And I mean, God, how many times I've, how many times have you AMA'd from a treatment center? I've never AMA'd. Get the fuck well, out of here. <laughs> kind of addict is this guy? I, I sort of AMA'd from the year long rehab. Okay, well that's yeah. that's. I was on I was on a pass, and so I, I went to this rehab in Mexico, Amanda. It was a year long, and they had, very strictly had punishments. And one of the punishments was called beans, where you would eat boiled beans with salt, just Sounds plain like old a treat to me for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I love beans, right? For days at a time. Right, not good beans. Like there's oh, no, okay. no bacon and onion and no, 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 just boiled beans. And I'd I'd gone out on pass because I had a pass privilege, but I knew that when I came back, I was still on beans. And the thought that day of going back to the facility and having a big old bowl of beans for dinner was so just uh, un. I just couldn't. Right, I couldn't. So I so I left. I showed up at my uncle's store. I had an uncle who owned a store, shoe store at a mall. So I showed up in his shoe store at the mall and was like, hey. I'm back, baby. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> so like the very thing I was just talking about, like I did that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, you know, uh, it was bad though. The the rehab, they were very concerned for me. They, they were like calling like the local ERs shoe and stores. stuff looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had AMA'd because I had, I had found a loophole you know, dope fiend in my way into getting Excedrin because there was no caffeine in the place. So I was getting Excedrin and found a way that I could get it like double of what I was supposed to. They found that out. So I AMA'd immediately the second that, that happened. Yeah. Just no, I had no more caffeine. And I was like, fuck that. And then one other time, because I don't eat meat and I required a special diet, state run or county run facility didn't have a lot of resources and first couple times i went they at least had like veggie burgers and stuff like that and this time i went and they're like we've had budget cuts like you're getting hot dog buns and cheese if <laughs> like you're not gonna eat. i was just like fuck this i'm out of here <laughs> so amanda's clearly never had to ama right no but so okay nothing wrong with but that. you did you did ama from the kitchen <laughs> from buffalo wild wings <laughs> Well, no, from from the kitchen at Recovery Unplugged, you know, because oh, at that, some point oh, yeah. you make a transition from being in the kitchen to mm -hmm. to something else. So, what what was that like? What 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 led to you leaving the kitchen? I wanted to do more uh, than just than than I don't want to say just work back there because I loved working back right. there, and I realized, you know, how when you work a job, something always seems greener. Yeah, and then you get into the new job and like, it may be nice, you know, you may love it, but you, you see how simplistic and how great you had it in your last job. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that was, that was the, the move from the kitchen for me, you know, cause sometimes it seemed stressful and crazy and you're making all this food and feeding all these people and doing all these things. But at the same time, I loved every moment of it, which is just a kitchen in general, you know, yeah. it's just. Yeah, stressful. listen, dream job. Um, if I could go do anything else and still be able to like provide for my family, like I would go open a food truck and just cook whatever yeah. I wanted every day. I I miss it. I didn't realize how much I would miss it because I did it every day. I yeah. cooked, you know, seven days a week. Um, but uh, I 
I, in my spare time, I would go hang out with the nursing department and I'd, I'd learn things from our nurse manager and how to take vitals and what our, you know, tapers were and how we loaded and all of that jazz. And I'd hang out with Riley and ask him, Hey, can I do anything? Cause in between lunch and dinner, I'd be cleaned up. I'd be like, can, is there any paperwork I can do for you? Yeah. Um, I assume that it was something like that. Like you were already doing stuff outside of your, you know, what your role was. And then it just kind of shifted into it. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just kind of happened. So what was was your first job out of the kitchen? Director of operations. Wow. That is a straight to director. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's impressive. That is impressive. How long into your director of ops job before you, First, we're like, man, I should have stayed in the kitchen. It took me, I don't tell people this very often, <laughs> unless I'm really like, I'll use it sometimes with with people that I oversee, you know, to help them understand that you don't just know what you're doing in, yeah. in the first, you know, three days. Um, it took me about eight months to yeah. feel like I got this. Yeah. Because I knew kitchen. I knew kitchen well. Um, maintenance, cool. I have a rock star maintenance person. Yeah, you do. Housing. Housing is, it's great, but it's a lot. You know, you've got people 24 seven, you've got to make sure they're safe, they're satisfied. You know, those, uh, there's, there's a lot of boxes to check in the housing world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it took me about eight months. And within that eight months, I was like, man, I, I could be cooking breakfast right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Making waffles without a care in the world. Yeah. <laughs> breakfast, breakfast was my favorite. We made it to order. We still do every morning, whatever that specific client wants they get. Nobody's so, up during prep. It's just kind of got the, the world mm-hmm. to yourself a little bit. Loved breakfast. Um, but I quickly learned that once I did kind of get a hang of what I was doing and, you know, I still grow every single day. I still get knowledge every single day because the reality is we're never going to know it all. Um, yeah. But the the really cool piece of it was I got to go from influencing the clients in a big way to also influencing other staff members in a big way. So right. I got to do yeah. clients and staff at that point, which, which was cool. You know, it was cool to be able to, lead them, build rapport with them, help them meet goals and point out their strengths and their opportunities so that they can become better, you know, so that they can become more. Um, and I think, I think that was the coolest part of all was getting to impact more lives on a daily basis. So knowing the nature of what we do and that not everybody's attempt at, at recovery is successful. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first time that there was a client who you had a rapport with who ended up relapsing and overdosing. Absolutely. Can you tell us about that? Um, yeah, we had this this younger client. He was 19 or 20. Um, I have a younger brother that's about four years younger than me. So any clients that were kind of in that younger range reminded me of my brother a lot if they were like kind of quiet, but also like really fun at the same time. Um and uh, and I always didn't care for them more, but I always built, you know, more of a rapport and tried to build them up more than than people that were like, oh, yeah, I got this. Because it's usually those younger, like 19, 20 year old boys that are like, I'm here because my family's making me, you know. Right. Um, and uh, he came back through a couple of times. Um, 
each time we had a, you know, different rapport, different talk, he's going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And, um, he died of a fentanyl overdose, um, about a year and a half, two years ago. And he had come in a few times and, and that hit hard, um, because you realize that these people become a part of, for me, I think because I'm not in recovery, um, it's, it's changed my core values and my perception of things a lot, um, and how I view the world very, very differently. Um, and it was, it was a big kicker for me when he, when I learned that he had overdosed, um, that we'd never see him again. And he was so young and wasn't going to get to pursue any of the things that we talked about, you know, uh, it was, it was, it was a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the most challenging things about working in treatment, you know, is that, you know, people start working in treatment because they care about people. Right. And then you build, you build relationships with folks, you know, and I think, you know, depending on our personality, right. There's certain clients that, you know, you tend to kind of gravitate towards or build a little bit more rapport with for whatever reason. Right. Like they remind you of your brother or whatever. Um, I always end up seem to the the clients that are from South Texas always seem to be like my favorites. Yeah. Those are, (laughs) those are my favorites. Um, but you know, we work in an industry where, alongside getting to watch some some beautiful success stories you know i mean how many people have we had on this podcast that that were clients at recovery unplugged you know how many people you know are in director roles now that were clients at one point or another you know you you were a client at one point right yes sir um that we get to see all this cool stuff but then we also get you know the phone call from the mom or the dad or from you know or you know just we hear about these folks who didn't make it, right. who, you know, for whatever reason, couldn't accept the help, couldn't internalize the recovery. And and it's, it, it doesn't, you don't get desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it, and it happens, I mean, I would say at least once, if not more a week, you hear of somebody from, from, from some facility or somebody who yeah. I knew from the 12 step rooms, you know, it, it, it's oh, just, yeah. it's, a, it's a constant, you know, feed of, of loss. Yeah. And, you know, I will tell you, it wasn't like this 10 years ago. 10 years ago, working in treatment, like maybe once or twice a year, you'd hear about a, a former client who had passed away. Right. Um, and, you know, nowadays, it's, yeah, I mean, almost weekly, you know, maybe not mm-hmm. one of our clients dying, but I hear of somebody from somewhere, someone who works at a different treatment center dying. Right. You know, right. it's just, it's... Fucking fentanyl. Yeah. Fucking fentanyl. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, what was one of the coolest success success stories that you've got to see from from somebody that you've met? Just one of the the what what stands out the most to you? Did we have this one guy um who came through mid fifties probably? Um, really sweet man, loved golf, came through over three years ago. Um, kind of a one and done came in first time said I'm going to crush it and um and he has an every single month that he hits a new sobriety goal or another month he brings in like bunt cakes or cookies or something and comes in gives us all a hug and you know tells us how he's doing and how his kids are and how his family is and I was off um for his 3 years but he brought in this big cake and it said 36 months on it and I was wow. like, dude, that 
that's phenomenal. You know, like not only is he three years sober and killing it, but he comes back to hang out with us for 10 minutes, you know, once a month. Does he go to the alumni meetings? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I think he does when he's in town, but he travels a lot. I think I might have been there when he picked up his two year at one of the, because whenever I go to any of the facilities, I always go to the alumni meetings. Um, mm-hmm. I just like to stay close. He, he probably did more so back in the day mm-hmm. than he does now. Um, but he was very, very, very um, active in the community when he first, first got out. So Amanda, as someone who's, <clears throat> who's not in recovery, who, you know, you mentioned earlier that like, you know, your worldview has changed and some of your values have changed because of your experience working at Recovery Unplugged. You know, what are some things that, that you know, you you wish more people understood about recovery that, that you, you know, or, or what are some things that changed about what you thought about addiction and recovery? That, That's a great question. Uh, you'd like to, you know, for people to hear about. Yeah, I wish people would look at people in addiction more so as a person with who deserves to be loved and cared for. Um, I think the stigma is, is really negative. Um, and I know that there's a lot of things that happen within active, active addiction that are negative. Um, but I think viewing, viewing people in addiction as people that are worth something, you know, that, need help, but maybe don't know how to get it. Or, um, you know, I haven't met a bad person come through this facility. Most, most of them are such good people that are trying their, their best, you know, and their best looks very different than my best, but they're Mm -hmm. still actively trying their best to do what they know to do, to take care of themselves and to figure it all out. Um, and I think that the world gives them a bad rap for trying their best, even though it's a different spectrum than what my best is some days, you know, and some days my best is the same spectrum as theirs. So uh, I think there's a lot of judgment that that is there that needs to be pulled away um, and just not not judging people before you kind of see what it's like to walk in their shoes. Very well put. I like that. Love it. Love it. So. <clears throat> You're you're going to South Carolina next week to look for a house. When when are you no, moving? Today. No, I'm going, going today. It's going today. Today. I'm I don't know what the fuck. I'm, anyway, <laughs> you're going today. You're flying today. out, flying out to South Carolina. You know what? What's the target date for you getting this thing open? So March one is the target date. Woo! Ooh, that's quick. That'll be uh, very soon. <laughs> so we'll be we'll be open by the time this airs. So. uh this isn't going to air till March. Probably we we've got uh, we got we got quite a few in the can before. Mm. Maybe before who knows before. <laughs> <laughs> but so what are you what are you excited about moving out there for this gig? I'm excited for the new opportunities, the knowledge that I'm going to get, the more people to impact. You know by there's not a lot of treatment in in South Carolina in general um, from what I've seen, from what I've looked up. Um, So opening those doors in a new place, you know, to reach more lives Um, and also just going on a new adventure. I've never really just gone flown away from where I've lived. You know, I've always been within two hours of Nashville, everywhere that I've lived. Um, So going somewhere new and learning more about myself and, um, 
you know, creating new memories, seeing more of the world and uh, just making the best of it. That's awesome. I'm excited to see you uh, grow in this role. But can you give us a little rundown of what we can expect to see at Recovery Unplugged South Carolina? Yeah, so it's going to be a PHP IOP. Uh, we'll do housing or no housing. We'll do housing. Uh, so we're going to rent a few houses. Uh, from what I know, about 20-ish beds um, that will operate very similarly to Virginia, Florida, and Texas's PHP IOP as far as housing and food and clients being able to cook their own meals. And um, I'm really excited about you know, PHP IOP is a very different world to me. That's right. You've never, you know, I don't have that in Nashville. So this is a no. t- totally new deal. Yes. Uh, which I had the opportunity last year to go to Virginia for about a week and help out there with operations for a little bit. So, you know, I got a little, like I dropped a little marble into the ocean of PHP for about a week. Um, but getting to take them on excursions and, you know, like, do different things with them that we don't do in detox res. So, um, so for really somebody for, excursions, that's a cruise word. Yeah. That's a cruise word. So, <laughs> when you're on a cruise, you book your excursion. For somebody who is never been on a cruise, actually. <laughs> I just went on my first one last year. It was fantastic. They're great. Highly recommend. So for somebody who doesn't know the language, PHP, IOP, all that stuff, can you can you break it down? Say you were talking to somebody's family member, right? Somebody's mom who's never sent their kid to treatment. What can they expect at Recovery Unplugged South Carolina? Absolutely. So PHP is partial hospitalization and IOP is intensive outpatient. So levels down from detox and residential. Um, and I like to view it as kind of a, the next step back into the real world um, with with a little bit more. Um, I hate to use the word freedom because I don't ever want this to sound like jail. No freedom. But- no. <laughs> But but more freedom, right? Like they typically get more access to phones. Um, they're they're trusted more because of the coping skills and and the therapy that they've been through in the higher levels of care, right? Like we've given them some tools, and so now they're stepping down to have a little bit more freedom, create more community, cook for themselves, do their own laundry, um, you know, get to go out on passes and get to go for, you know, field trips per se. Mm-hmm. And um, while still integrating themselves in therapy and a community that's still trying to do the same thing that they are and continuing to get healthy coping skills. And, you know, while they're experiencing that new piece of freedom that they may have, you know, they're still figuring out, okay, I have this, I'm going to have temptations within this, you know, now that I can have my phone all night opposed to having my phone for 15 minutes supervised um, that they're going to experience. So then they still get those coping skills and, you know, how do I handle these temptations? How do I, you know, they still have the support opposed to just being alone and and trying to figure it out. What are you going to miss the most about Nashville? Besides besides, my people, my friends, like, what are you going to miss the most besides that? You know, I haven't thought about that. Um, Great. You're going to make her start crying, though, Joseph. No, 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 no. Um, I don't know. I think my main thing is people, right? And a place that, I mean, this place feels like home. Um, I've never, this 
the recovery unplugged in general has been the first job that I've ever liked all of the people that I've worked with. Um, that's, that's been very rare. All of them. And yeah, I mean, like we, are there people that we bicker with or we, you know, have disagreements, but we all act like adults and we talk it, talk it out and keep going, you know, and work as a team at the end of the day. So I think, um, I know you said people is not the the answer, but I think it is people. True. You know, because I can find a home in South Carolina. I can find experiences, a place to get my nails done, you know, like yeah. any random things that I would do in Nashville. But I think the missing piece of that is the people that I'm used to being around. See, my, my head goes towards food. I know it does. It all you know, you must be getting <laughs> lunchtime. We were book. talking about maybe moving to Colorado, and I was like, "Man, but I wouldn't be able to go to Taco Palenque anymore to get my favorite." Open one up. All right, so this is the part of the quest, the 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 show. Oh, is it that time? It's that time. It's rapid fire question time. It's rapid fire question time. Hey. Oh, I get to go first. All right. Um, okay. Ben and Jerry come to you and they say, hey, Amanda, you know, we think you moving to South Carolina is so cool. You deserve your own custom uh, Ben and Jerry's flavor. What do you want to put in the flavor of ice cream? And what would you call it? Mm, banana, ice cream, caramel drizzle, and Reese peanut butter cups. Ooh. And it's And called? it would be called... Um, the Reese's split. Okay. Nice. Nice. That's a good one. I like it. All right. Supernatural experience. Gosh. He hates this question. <laughs> UFO, ghost, Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster. Have you experienced any of them? No. No. See, it's a, it's a dud of a question. It's man. not a dud of a question. You're a dud of a host. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was harsh. I love you. <laughs> never coming back here. Taking... I was about to say, and Jessup never shows back up. <laughs> right. Never. He'll never be a again. ghost, and then he'll have his own supernatural experience. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Bullshitology with Jason Cabello. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. All right. Amanda, you're having a rough day you need something to get you back in the game get you motivated get you pumped and ready to conquer the world what music do you turn to uh Lil Wayne Ooh, what's your favorite mixtape mm, I like the one where he takes other rappers beats and freestyles on them okay yes I mean all of them yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Buffalo Wild Wings comes calling. Amanda will double your salary to come back right now. What do you do? Mm, mm, absolutely not. Money's not worth it. There we go. You get to go open a new Buffalo Wild Wings in South Carolina. <laughs> uh-uh. No, 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 no. <laughs> um. Okay. Last question. Oh, let's just what's what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Hmm. If you ever feel like the smartest person in the room, 
you're wrong because you're never going to know everything and you can probably learn something from everyone standing around you. Good one. I like that. Good one. Was that five? That was five. That was five. That was five. All right, Amanda, the last thing we do before we we wrap things up is okay. we give you the floor. You know, okay. this this podcast goes out in audio and video streaming in hundreds, hundreds of websites, millions of people. Um, you have the floor to kind of say whatever you want, leave a parting message, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it better be profound. I know. I'm trying to think of something very profound. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think if I could say anything, it'd be that. If you think you're the smartest person in the world, <laughs> <laughs> you're not. <laughs> Um, no, I think, um, whether you're in addiction or not, I think that it can have a huge impact on your life if you, if you let it, and if you open your mind enough, um, just to understand other people and what they're going through. And it really, if you have the right perception, it can change the way you see the world, the way you feel about the world, the way that you envision the things that you have and the time that you have personally, um, and it's been really cool. I didn't think in a matter of four years that I would view the world differently um, since I was already an adult. You know, I was like, I, I, I know what this looks like. Um, but it's really it's really changed my view. And um, for it being a job, you know, I get to come in, do something different every day, learn something new every day and and leave an impact on on people that may stick with them forever and may go in one ear and out the other. You never know, you know, but um, it's, I, I'm very blessed to have been coerced into working for, <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine my life any different than what it currently is. And I'm very thankful that I was brought into, into behavioral health. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure to see you. I guess next time I see you, we'll be in South Carolina. I can't wait to see what the place looks like and, and what we have in already store. Already angling for some travel on the work. No, I've already been tasked. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Um, anyway, yes, as Jason said, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I'm sure you got a lot of stuff to do. You got to you gotta be packing. You got to get to that airport. Make sure you get that good boarding group. Yeah, good uh, luck with uh, finding a home. But thank you for coming. Thank you for for sharing with our viewers. Thank you to you, our loyal listeners, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, YouTube. YouTube, or any of the other streaming platforms. We are grateful for you taking time out of your day to listen or watch us. Um, and and like we always say there's a thousand ways in and a thousand, thousand ways, ways out. And we hope, hope you find, find yours. yours. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs>